Hello and welcome back to the Prophets and Prana podcast. My name is Esme. I'm a yoga teacher, web designer, business coach, and digital strategist. I kind of do it all. And in today's episode, I am speaking with Sandra Nomoto, the founder and president of Conscious PR. She has over 10 years of experience in storytelling and public relations, and she brings all of this experience into today's interview. She specializes in helping businesses and events get more awareness and get more traction by telling their story in traditional and social media. I know you're going to get a lot of value out of today's episode, so if you are in a place where you can do so, I encourage you to grab a pen and a piece of paper because you are going to want to be taking some notes. Without any further ado, let's get right into the conversation. Thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Ismay. So I want to talk to you today about public relations, which is all about, it's pretty much what you do. That, that seems to be your main focus. And I want to talk about why you got into it, because it's such, such a difficult field. There's so many variables, and there's a lot of people out there who seem to do it in a really scammy way, but you are conscious public relations. And I really think that's something important for the audience to hear about. So if you wouldn't mind explaining how you got into this and your philosophy behind the work that you do that makes it stand out from all of the other PR companies out there, that would be wonderful. Sure. So I got into public relations. It was my first uh, internship and then eventual position right after school um, in 2005. So um, I graduated and in the summertime, I was uh, looking for uh, entry level positions. And uh, the person at the film department uh, at the university um, passed me this internship position. And it was for a public relations firm that specialized in um, the film industry. And that was uh, initially what I was thinking of doing, um, something around communications and film, because I'd gotten a double major in English literature and film studies. Um, So it seemed like a great fit. So I applied, uh, got the internship, and it was a great uh, experience for me, Um, exactly the type of stuff that uh, I wanted to get into. And um, yeah, and I ended up uh, after the internship getting hired at that company and staying for a total of uh, a year and a half. So um, the reason why I left was um, because we did about 80% event planning. And as much as uh, that gave me so much experience, um, you know, for, for any listeners who, who have done events and planned events, uh, it can be very stressful. And uh, it's, it's a lot of, it's very fast paced. And not only were we planning the events that we were putting on for clients, but we would also do the media relations for it. So we would tell the media about this event that was coming up, you know, maybe any local celebrities who were going to be there. And then we would also um, welcome them and track any story coverage that came out from that event. And so what really intrigued me about our work in the end was the storytelling aspect of PR. So this is um, media relations, communicating with the media, um, telling them stories and seeing stories about our clients um, get out in the news. And so when I left the company, I knew that that I wanted to grow that um, aspect of my knowledge base. And so um, during the time I was I was working there, I was already starting to take um, some introductory marketing courses so that I could build up um, uh, some education to take those PR courses. And then uh, I continued on 
when I left the company. So um, your second question was about um, the, the type of PR that we do now. And so uh, in 2008, so about a year, uh, or I guess half a year after I left the company, I decided to just uh, break out on my own and start my own company. So I was doing that for uh, four years, so three years part-time on the side, and then uh, 2011 is when it finally became a full-time business. And that was a really interesting year for me because I started to really look at my own personal values again. Um, this is something I, I didn't really do as an adult because I was just so focused on finishing school and, you know, getting my career started. And I realized, um, you know, I really value self-development and trying to better the world. And I noticed that the clients that I was working with, I, I wouldn't really have bought their, their products or services um, myself, right? And, and so there was this misalignment with the clients that I was working with and my own personal values. And so that's when... Uh, at the end of that year, um, the name Conscious PR just came to me, um, and I wondered what to do with it. And as my intuition, you know, often <laughs> um, taps me over time, uh, I knew that I had to just try and launch it as as a different brand. And so I did that in the middle of 2012 and have been operating as that brand ever since. And, and the goal of Conscious PR is to help tell the stories of socially and environmentally conscious businesses. So while the process of PR um, might be a little bit the same as, as a lot of other companies, that's where we really uh, differentiate. We want to look for companies that align with our values and who have a really good story to tell. Because in my opinion, um, uh, there's just so much negative news uh, out there in the world, and I think that needs to be counterbalanced with with stories of individuals or companies who are um, who are impacting the world positively. I completely agree. That's a much needed service. And you said that you started to really look at your values. What was the process for that? Because honestly, that's not something a lot of people actually want to sit down and do. It can be sort of an emotional experience and you can find out some hard truths about yourself. So did you have a process that you went through and was it an, a night with a bottle of wine and a really good book and you just realized these things or did you have more of a, a framework that you worked through? Yeah, it was actually just really organic and um, I had a sense of it at the first company that I worked with. Like there were things that we had to do that didn't sit right with me and some honestly questionably ethical uh, <laughs> things that we were asked to do. And, and that's, again, contributed to one of the reasons why I knew I had to leave. Um, I started uh, practicing yoga because of that company because we did a little project with the Western Canadian uh, Hatha Yoga Championships. And so as part of working with them, I got um, a pass to try out um, Bikram Yoga here in Vancouver. And that was my first entry into yoga. And uh, so I would say yoga was, was a huge part of my personal shift. Uh, I really enjoyed the practice. And then that led me to um, become more aware of things like meditation, um, and so by the time 2011 rolled around, um, actually I, I did want to mention, uh, at the end of 2007, I watched a really amazing documentary called Earthlings, um, which exposes a lot of, um, 
how we treat animals. And, uh, and that just, that, that changed my eating habits forever. You know, I didn't go cold turkey and, and give up meat altogether the day after, but I, I set a plan for myself to eventually, um, you know, possibly become vegan. And so over the course of, you know, a number of years, I started just removing things from my diet and I'm, I'm not completely vegan now, but I've been eating meat free for um, probably seven years now going on. And, uh, and so that was, was a, a big shift um, for me over a few years. Um, yeah. And, and then 2011, like I said, was a big year for me. So um, on top of just the changes that were happening at work, I started to go to a lot more, uh, speaker events, motivational speakers, self-development events. Um, and, uh, and, uh, was reading a lot of books that, you know, Oprah recommended. So <laughs> Cartoli's A New Earth, Kathy Preston's Quantum Wellness, and, and, and that combined with my, um, the changes that I was already making with my eating habits, um, the meditation practice that I was growing, and then um, meeting a lot of conscious business owners and thinking about how I wanted to shift my business. It all just sort of came together. And so, um, yeah, that's how it happened for me. So it sounds like we had similar experiences when it came to realizing ethics in business. A company I was with was doing some less than uh, ethical things, definitely some very questionable things right before I left to start my current business. So how did you, how did you live with that in the day to day before you ended up leaving? Like, did you have a coping mechanism? Like, did you find some way to, to deal with being out of alignment with the business that you were in? Or did it just build up and build up and build up over time? Um, yeah, if you're referring to the, the first company that I worked for, it was my first job. And so I, I, you know, it didn't occur to me to even say no to my bosses. And, um, yeah, and because I, I wasn't really sure of myself and my personal values, I was just really focused on making money and, and doing a good job that, um, yeah, that I honestly just, just, uh, followed along and, and let things slide. But that was just, that was a really important lesson for me because I took that with my, um, when I started my business and, and even in, in the, the part-time jobs that I, that I carried. Um, and I knew that, you know, this type of company is not the type of company that I want to work for. And in fact, it probably contributed to my decision to start my own business because, um, public, the public relations industry, you know, is known as a spin industry and, and known for, um, lying so that our clients, so that clients can, can be seen in a better light. And so I think I even knew back then that if I applied to, um, uh, to, to other firms that this situation might pop up again. And I think that was a big motivator to potentially start my own business. I like the way you said that. And I was a motivator instead of something that made you really angry, which to be honest is kind of what happened with me. So I was tired of feeling out of alignment, but I didn't know what to do about it. So I, I was a horrible person to be around for a while. I'm going to be perfectly honest about that. And thank God for yoga. I don't know if anybody in my family would have survived it. So when you, you took 
all of those lessons and you took it over to Conscious PR. What is the core value of the work that you're doing? The, the one value that out of everything else shows up in every single client work that you put out. Mm, um, yeah, we have five core values at Conscious PR, but I would say the, the top one is connection. And that's, and that to me means um, connection, not only with our clients and making sure that, you know, we share values, but also um, connection to the world around us. And so how does their business relate to other people? How does it relate to the planet? And, and that forms um, the crux of the story that we know that we need to share about them. So I'd say connection is, is number one. So I'm looking at your website right now, and I see you also deeply value community and ethics, learning and service. Now, yeah. how do all five of those values come out in your work? Because I'm sure that everything that you do has at least one of those values, probably a lot of those values. So how do they all work together? Mm-hmm. So three of those values... Um, ethics, learning, and service. I'd say those are more internal driven. And it's something that, um, you know, the the staff members that I work with, I really want them to carry that with them in their work. And then the connection along with community is more um, what you're talking about of of the, um, what we want to see in our results. And so I would say that when, when we are telling a story on behalf of our clients and we see that story come out, um, we want to look at not just the ripple effects in their business, you know, in terms of is it getting them more sales, but what are the kinds of conversations that are then happening after that um, or some of the byproducts that weren't expected. Um, And also community is a big one because, um, you know, we believe that that the work that we're doing is not just for bottom line, it is to impact people in some way, right? And so um, we, we do care that the people who are consuming this story, you know, is it is it going to influence them positively? And so, um, or yeah, is the community that they're speaking to going to receive it positive, positively? So, so I'd say those are... Um, yeah, some of the other metrics that we look at besides just uh, um, the numbers. I think that's so important. So it's not just, in, in my personal belief, it's not just about how many eyeballs you get on the campaign. It's like, are you getting the right eyeballs? Are you getting people who actually resonate with your messaging? If you are an eco-conscious company, but you're only getting in front of people who don't really care about that, is that really an effective campaign? And so I really like that you're bringing that element to it. Now, have you had difficulty in attracting clients who feel the same way about this? Or have you been able to carve out that niche and make a name for yourself among the people who do have conscious businesses? Yeah, that was my intention from the very beginning. And so um, those who had worked with me or knew that I was operating under uh, a different name um, were able to ver- very visibly see the, the change and the rebrand. And so after that, it was just a matter of um, how do I then connect with the types of clients that I want to. And so what I did um, in 2012 was I, uh, I, I, I um, took part in a mentorship program 
program that is offered here in Vancouver where they match you up with a mentor. And I was looking, I asked them specifically for one that was very, um, that was already working in social in the socially conscious, the environmentally conscious arena, and who could sort of show me the ropes um, of who, of where I could find um, similar types of businesses. And so I worked with her for six months, and she was um, really amazing and uh, let me know all of the networking groups that I need to hang around with, the conferences and the events that I needed to be at. And that really helped me um, to start networking with the right crowd. And um, I also want to say that becoming a B Corporation, a certified B Corporation was another big step um, in uh, not only trying to network with the right people, but also, again, be seen as um, the PR company that operates under these values. And um, B Corporation was something I was thinking of doing even when I uh, did the rebrand uh, in 2012, but because I was just so focused on um, uh, launching that, I, I wasn't able to pursue B Corp at that time. But last year, I really, um, I, I set it as a, a New Year's resolution for myself and to do this for the company. And so I started working at it um, at the beginning of 2015. And then uh, May of this year, I'm happy to say that um, we earned that certification. And so um, that really gives us the stamp uh, of approval and um, allows us to be part of this global movement that is trying to use our businesses as a force for good. So um, we are the third PR company in Canada to have uh, or to be to have B Corporation certification. And I'm super proud of that because um, that'll really help us. Um, yeah, sort of be be a trailblazer uh, in, in our particular industry. Why do you think there aren't more PR companies who are certified B Corps in Canada? Uh, I think it's twofold. First, um, they probably just don't know the certification exists. And uh, I know that's uh, something that I probably need to do is, is just uh, connect more with, with PR folks here and let them know about it. And secondly, um, I think that they really have to dedicate um, their companies to, to achieving it. And you know, that's really up to them and their values. If their values don't align with, um, with B Corp's values, then there is no reason for them to, to pursue the, the certification, right? It's, it's, if, if um, you know, your listeners have ever looked at B Corp's assessment, it's not, it's not an easy test to take, right? It's, it's, uh, it's an assessment that, you know, really looks at your practices, your business practices, and then you have to be reviewed on them. And so you go through a review process and any number of those questions, you could be asked to submit documentation. So it's not an assessment that you can really lie, <laughs> lie on, you know, if, if you're asked for documentation on your suppliers, you have to deliver that. And, um, yeah, and prove according to, to what you're saying in the assessment. And so there's that part of it too, is being transparent about what your company does. And I honestly don't know if, if PR companies um, here in Canada uh, would, would, yeah, would have enough points to pass that assessment and go for certification. 
That's really interesting. Now, I have some experience with other companies who are B Corps, but I've never really looked at the process myself. So I like what you're saying that, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to lie because they're going to check some things out. I really like that. And when you're going through the process of getting a certified B Corp and you have clients that you're maintaining on the side, how do you manage everything without dropping the balls? <laughs> Yeah, um, that's, that's, you know, this is a working answer because I don't, I don't think I have the magic formula. Um, but I try to stay organized during the day, right? And so that begins with, you know, what, being really intentional and what, uh, what time I'm going to start my work. And that, that usually starts with uh, just reading headlines before I, you know, open email and that sort of thing. Um, and uh yeah, and then, and then just I actually like to set um, set the intention the night before uh, of what I'm going to get done the next day, right? And so it's it's your usual, you know, checking emails, um, doing client services, uh, but uh, I, I I always try and carve out a good three hours of either business development and sales type of type of work, um, and then any other side projects that. I have that need to get done. Um, maybe not this, that, that day, but you know, it needs to get done uh, a little bit every day uh, to meet a certain deadline. And so B Corp was one of those things where, um, you know, I had to carve out a good hour and a half to complete the assessment the first time to see where I was at. And then once uh, I knew the areas in which I had to build points, I pretty much just came up with a list and then decided to tackle that list, maybe get one or two things done every month or so. Um, and then I would go back to the assessment and change that answer and slowly build up those points. So like I said, it was the process of a year and a half from starting the assessment, seeing where I was at or where we were at, um, to getting certified. And so I would say August is when I got up to... I think 69 out of the 80 points um, that I needed for certification and I got stuck at that point. So I said, okay, I'm going to ask for a review. And uh, once I had the review, um, I knew what other areas or, or what else I could do to, um, to earn those points. And there's, they were super helpful. Uh, they're super helpful there at, at B Corp in, in doing that once, once you do a review. So uh yeah, and so so after I was able to do um, a couple of those um, other things, um, it was just a matter of waiting. So I think it, it in the end, it, it uh, yeah, it just depends on um, how you manage your time and making sure that you carve out time to, uh, of course, uh, um, do client work, um, but these, but uh, make time for some of these side projects that you also want to complete. I think so many of us who are in this space of trying to be a businesswoman, but do so in an authentic, soulful way, we, we get bogged down by the side projects. So we have our main focus and our main passion that drives us, but these side projects take a lot of energy and they pull us away from what it is that we really want to stay focused on. And what you're saying about setting an intention the night before, I think is something that a lot of our listeners could benefit from doing in their own business, because I think it, it sounds like it helped you stay on track and you were able to complete the assessment, but also maintain the focus on what it is that you're doing in your business and the services that your business provides. 
Yeah. And, and I mean, B Corporation is, it's the type of project that, you know, doesn't have a deadline. Like I set, I set it, you know, I'd like to complete this by the end of 2015. But, um, you know, in the end, when it was up to them, and it was in their hands, there was not absolutely nothing I could do to to make the process go faster, right? You know, it's it, it was completely dependent on them, and how long it would take for them to approve um, to approve our application. And so, um, yeah, I mean, as much as like I, I am really uh, aware of deadlines when it comes to our client work, um, I'm always trying to meet those. But when it comes to um, yeah, the side projects, you know, set, I'd say set an intention of when you want to get it done. If it doesn't get done, then um, you know that's life and <laughs> life gets in the way. Um, but as I think, as long as you you're focused and you have the intention to at some point complete it, you know, in the near future, um, that can happen. When you were developing your products and programs and services, and I'm assuming you had an intention and a focus throughout all of that, you created the Be Your Own PR Star. Was that more of a side project or did you just carve out a week to create the course and have it available as something that your clients or potential clients could use even if they weren't ready for full-fledged PR services? Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. That's such a great example of uh, a, a big side project. So um, the idea for, for our online course came from a mastermind colleague of mine, and she's a very wise person and <laughs> suggested that I come up with this course um, to help uh, the smaller businesses, the solopreneurs, because, uh, I mean, our services, uh, you know, they're not, they're not, um, cheap by any means and uh, you do have to have the resources to to invest in hiring a company like ours but that doesn't mean that um, if you don't have the resources you shouldn't do PR because it's absolutely a skill that any business owner can learn Um, and so she yeah she kind of put that bug in my ear and I said yeah like I I don't have um, I never had the intention of teaching Uh, but I know that it's, uh, one of those things that I I do, like, I would like to educate people and, and empower people with knowledge. So I, I set the intention to originally launch this, this course around May, um, which was two months since I came up with the idea. Um, so, and it didn't get launched in May, but I I just kept moving forward. Uh, I knew what I needed to get done, um, and so in mid-July, uh, the site finally got up. Um, I was able to tell people about it. Um, and, that, and that's really rewarding. Like, it, you know, it, it didn't happen in, in the span of time that I expected it to. But I knew the steps that I needed to complete to, to launch it and to get it out there. And, uh, yeah, and when it got up there, um, uh, it, it's just really satisfying to have that uh, offering to to a lot more people who, um, yeah, who may not be able to work with us. Um, and I feel that it's, it's a great way for us or for me to share the knowledge that I've gained in the last 10 years and, and be able to offer that to, um, to now a wider range of companies that we can serve. What is the biggest result that your clients have achieved from taking Be Your Own PR Star? Have they gotten more press? Have they created a strategy so they continually get more press? Because this is the kind of course that someone has to be really motivated in order to get results out of it. It doesn't, 
it doesn't look like they, that you're automating the press for them. You're, you're just teaching them how to do it. And then they still have to go out and get the press. Absolutely. It's, it's a DIY type of course for sure. And it's called to be your, be your own PR star in 90 days, because if you are, um, if you have that intention to form the relationships with the media that you need to reach, um, and you reach them with the right story, um, it's absolutely possible to, to have, uh, to get that done, uh, in three months. Um, for others, it may not be, um, they might want to take the course, you know, at their own leisure, um, and, uh, may not be able to, to get all of it done, uh, in that span of time. And that's, that's the great thing about this, this type of course is it's completely up to how much time you invest, uh, in that. You say forming the relationships. Is that really what PR is all about, is forming relationships with the media? Absolutely. And so, so media relations is just one aspect of PR, but it is probably what comes to mind when people think uh, of the phrase PR to begin with. And uh, I love that you brought that up because it's, it's such an important point um, especially now in our age of social media and email and being able to reach people so quickly, uh, relationships is really the crux of um, doing PR the right way, right? And it's not about um, blasting news releases, putting people on newsletter lists. Um, what One of the things that our course teaches is that you need to connect with the right people um, and you need to form relationships with them. You can't just put them on a list um, and, and send them news whenever you want. You really have to get to know what they like to work on, uh, the types of stories that they like to talk about, um, engage with them socially. So just, you know, get to know them as a person if that's possible. Um, and, and that is... And those relationships are really going to be beneficial for when you do have um, when you do have a situation where you need to tell your story. Um, those relationships are going to be um, more beneficial to helping you do that um, rather than just uh, building a list and, like I said, um, blasting a news release out to them, which is which is what a lot of people are doing right now. Yes. Yes, it is. I get people in the yoga space who send me an email. They're like, oh, look, we've got this upcoming workshop. And I'm like, great, because this is relevant to my readers. Why? And I think it's really interesting to see how many press releases I get about yoga or upcoming events. We've got a new yoga class, and they're completely irrelevant to what my readers are all about. And my readers are not necessarily going to travel to India. They're not necessarily going to go on a big retreat. And so getting all of these, these press releases, like, you know, I really like what you're doing, but it's not necessarily something that my readers care about. And I think if, the, if people who are pitching take more time to at least understand my readers and what it is that they are offering can be of value, then I think that the pitches will be a lot more personal, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and all it takes is, you know, one email to you and asking you, right. You know, what, what are your readers care about? Um, what types of stories do you like to, um, 
Do you like to communicate to them? And once they get that answer, you know, that'll help them for, for years to come, you know, unless, uh, unless you happen to change um, the nature of, of your, uh, your outlet. Um, and that's, yeah, and that's what I want to tell people is it's about just that one connection. It doesn't take, it doesn't take long to, to ask for that um, and to, to make notes about that so that the next time you've got something going on, um, you know, if it's not relevant to you, let's save East May another <laughs> couple minutes of opening that email that's, that's not very useful to her. And so the, by the time that we do have a story that you might care about, then you're a lot more responsive. And I think what a lot of people forget is that people who do run blogs, and this is even more prevalent in the actual media, I'm sure, there's not a lot of time to go through your email and filter out things that are completely useless to you. And I think when you start to get the same thing from the same person over and over again, and it's irrelevant, you start to have a negative association with that person. And you don't want them to email you anything because what are the odds is actually going to be something you can use. And I think the last thing people should be reaching for is, oh, well, they're going to know who I am, but it may not be in a positive way. So I don't think you should ever want someone to have that feeling of, oh, great, another email from them feeling when they see you in their inbox. Absolutely. And that's, that's why relationships are so key. If you take the time in the beginning to form that relationship with a person, um, uh, and, and then you, you follow that up with, with news that is actually relevant to them, um, then it's a, it's a win-win, right? You, yeah, you don't want to have that negative association. Um, and, and that, that's, that results in a bad relationship. And we, yeah, we all don't want that. We want to connect with people, right? Yes, definitely. And if you had anything that you could share with someone who's listening, let's say um, a yoga teacher who's recently started a yoga studio looking to get some press, how can they just go out and make a connection with something, a media outlet or perhaps a reporter that they don't know without feeling really disconnected from the process because a lot of people in this space are not comfortable with just putting themselves out there. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you touched on a few different things. First of all, you know, if you're not comfortable with getting out there, I think you have to deal with that first, right? How do you, how do you get excited about sharing your story? And I think that's one of the top reasons why people hire us is because they don't, they're not comfortable with telling their own stories, right? So we have to do it for them. Um, but for, yeah, but for the yoga studio owners, we're just starting out and, and they do need people in the door. Um, you do need to get excited about, about how different you are from the yoga studio down the block, right? And so first of all, it's, it's being comfortable with that, with your own story, being confident in telling it. And when you're ready to tell it, um, then, yeah, and then figuring out how, how you're different and, and how you can communicate that. So it could just, like I said, be an email. Um, you find out the right, uh, you know, writer or producer who um, would be more, most likely to, 
report on uh, on uh, a yoga studio um, and just right off the bat tell them tell them that um, you can also use social media if you're comfortable with forming that type of relationship um, I might suggest uh, sending like sending something you know if 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 it's a very local um, story like maybe mailing uh, a free pass um, because if the writer or the producer is, um, perhaps they like yoga themselves and again you can find out this information on social media it's very easy to stop people nowadays <laughs> um, if you know that they do yoga send them a free class allow them to come in um, and uh, yeah and then meet them in person and 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 that's another touch point in telling people uh, your story. So again, there's, there's so many different ways to do it, but um, I would say, yeah, first of all, just be super comfortable and excited to tell your story and then figure out um, a different way to do it than what the, the old other uh, yoga studio might be doing. I like the way that you say that because so many yoga studios are the same. So they are doing the same exact thing as that yoga studio down the block. And this is something that a lot of people seem to struggle with. And it's like there's this picture of the ideal yoga studio with bright, big windows and really beautiful mats and soft music and incense. And maybe they have a green smoothie bar. And that is very common, I think. And I think the yoga studios that don't necessarily do that are the ones that are going to be catching people's attention. But I think like you said, you need to be comfortable to express why you're different from the other yoga studios out there. Why should someone you're pitching a story to care? Yes, absolutely. So a couple things I want to make sure we touch on before we wrap up here. Is there a current business book that you just can't put down? I know I just finished one and I'm trying to remember what it is because I go through so I go through a lot and I'm working on a I'm actually going through The Alchemist right now which I know is a classic book and people are like you haven't read that yet um so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm finishing that up um I'd say the last the last business book that I that I read was called Influence and it's actually uh it was written in the the 70s I think the first edition and they keep updating it every um every couple of years. And so um, influence is very interesting because it, it goes into a lot of the psychological reasons why people act the way they do, why they might buy, um, you know, this versus the other. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to apply that to our age now where we're buying things online and we're, we're being influenced online. And so, um, yeah. And so that, that was an interesting read. I will definitely make a note of that and add that to my list. I mean, my list of books to read is growing at such a quick rate. You have no idea. But that one sounds like it would be really interesting, especially when trying to grow a personal brand. So is there, um, is there a podcast that you keep listening to that, you know, every time they put out a new episode, you just can't wait to hear what it is that they've got going on this week? You know, quite honestly, like you said, I've got so many podcasts on the list as well. And uh, uh, there isn't one that I, um, you know, kind of die hard go to every week. But um, I really enjoy the uh, video blogs that Marie Forleo puts out. Um, that I will consistently watch because um, 
she's just, yeah, she's just so great. And, and when she answers people's questions, it's, um, she answers them really smartly, but also, um, in a way that's, that's gentle and doesn't, uh, make people feel bad in my opinion. Um, and another kind of, uh, yeah, video, um, content producer I really enjoy watching and listening to is Gary Vaynerchuk, who I'm sure a lot of your readers uh, or um, listener, listeners uh, know about. Um, he is just like a, a content king, and um, I just love his energy and uh, the passion that he has for his business and for, te- and for teaching people. Both two people that I just cannot stop watching. I, Marie Forleo is just such a a force of powerful female spirit. And I just, I love her. I know that that doesn't necessarily make sense to a lot of people listening, but you need to watch Marie Forleo and maybe you'll, you'll see that too. And Gary Vee, I mean, he is definitely a content king. He is always putting out something new, like always. I don't know how he does it, but he does. And it's really inspiring from that perspective. So I will definitely uh, share all of that in the show notes. And Last but not least, do you have anything that you want people listening to this episode to definitely take away that they can use to increase their press mentions, but in a soulful way? Mm, I think, yeah, I think we talked a little bit about it already. Like it, it, it really starts with relationships and not only relationships with traditional media, but um, I also want people to think about the relationships with the communities they might have on social because that's also public relations, right? Um, and a lot of people or a lot of company owners that come to us, you know, are so focused on growing their community, um, getting more eyeballs, and um, we always try and get them back into the discussion about um, what, uh, what's the substance of that community, right? Um, how can you get people more engaged? And it doesn't matter how many followers you have. It's the quality of the relationships um, that you have. And same, same with traditional media. It doesn't matter how many stories you can get out there at once. Um, you know, are you building quality relationships? And um, how can you leverage those relationships to, uh, for your own business? Because, um, you know, a colleague of mine, her, her motto is return on relationships, uh, not ROI. So I just want to really, ho- I, I think, communi- communicate that with your listeners. Um, really focus in on how you can nurture relationships better with the media, your online community, even your customers and clients. And, and I think that is um, is going to really help you and your business in the long run. I love that you said that return on relationships that I think is a really powerful way of, of reframing the whole social media aspect. So many people are just like, Oh, I need a lot of followers. Like great. But do any of them actually care about what it is you're going to say? And I love that you said that. So that's definitely going in the show notes. Where can people get more information about you? How can people connect with you if they want to learn more about Conscious PR? Uh, easiest place is our website, ConsciousPR.com. And we're also on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. Um, and then my personal social media accounts um, are at Sandra Nimoto. So really easy to get a hold of me um, through there. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I'll make sure to link up to everything you mentioned in the show notes. Those will be over at profitsandprana.com as soon as the episode is up. So thank you again for sharing with me. I really think that people are going to get a lot of value out of this episode, even if it's just how they reframe the way that they think about PR and how they think about putting their message out there. So thank you so much for sharing that. You're so welcome, Isme. Thanks so much for this opportunity. So who's the pro for your lawn? If you're like me, look no further than yourself. I made my beautiful lawn from great seed, a lot of pride, and even less water than you think. And did it all with Pennington Smart Seed. You see, Smart Seed is a premium seed bred to be drought resistant. So you'll use 30% less water for the entire life of your lawn. So to those who'd say the grass is greener on the other side, I politely disagree. Just look at my lawn. Pennington Smart Seed. Guaranteed to grow. Reclaim your turf.